Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Now the Philistines will come down against Mid-Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled. There's the second mistake. I felt. You can't go by your own mind. And you can't go by your own feelings. You must go by the Word of God. Two great things that we fall to. We get afraid. We make a move. We come up with our plan, plan B. When you do that, you can end up in trouble just exactly as you see here. Our feelings, our thoughts, our desires, our goals. In a culture that prizes individuality, we're conditioned to think about ourselves first. You may begin with the best of intentions, with a leading from the Lord, but the moment things get uncomfortable or scary, you revert back to what you want. Think back to a toy you had that was your favorite thing in the world. When you had it, you thought nothing could ever make you as happy. Do you still feel the same way about it? Our flesh is fickle. Our feelings change. But one thing doesn't change, the Word of God. We can hold on to the Word with confidence. The Lord is steadfast when we are not. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 11, verse 6, with today's study. saw this and it applies but in a strange way make sure you pay attention the village blacksmith was breaking in a new apprentice and he told the apprentice I'm going to take the hot horseshoe out of the fire and when I nod my head you begin to hammer on it And that's how the apprentice became the new village blacksmith. (laughs) Now, you say that's ridiculous. What you're going to see tonight, almost as sad, almost as quick, in a way, the first king of Israel is replaced by another king because of almost the same kind of foolish mistakes, but important for us to keep track of. The fable is told about a bloodhound who started a hunt chasing a deer. While he was chasing the deer, a fox crossed the path. So the hound chased the fox. After a while, a rabbit crossed the path. So the hound went after the rabbit. Later, a mouse crossed the path, and the hound ended up chasing the mouse into a hole. The hound began his hunt on the trail of a magnificent deer and ended up watching a mouse hole. This reminds us so much that we can all start well. We can start on track. But unless we finish well, we're in for a disaster. We cannot get sidetracked. We can allow anything to sidetrack us. The Bible says we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, 
the author and the finisher of our faith. As we go through these chapters, I challenge you to look and and say, has something knocked me off the path? Are you chasing something that has no relevance in your life? And I think it's important that once we start well, we'll see how important it is to finish well. Now remember, the prime object of First Chronicles is to review the life of David and see his reign. To do that, there's only one chapter in Chronicles where there's a bridge from the first king to the second king. This is the bridge. It's in First Chronicles 10. Now, Saul, actually we'll be back to First Chronicles in a little bit. Turn to First Samuel, if you will. Saul had been chosen to be the first king of Israel. He had incredible potential. It was said about his physical abilities, he was shoulders and above everyone. He was, he was just a, a hulk of a guy. And in the physical realm, I mean, he was a winner. Unlike Jabez last week, who was a pain, was born as a loser. Saul started very humbly, but started with a great potential. The other important thing, not just the physical, but the other important thing that he had was the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, that was Jabez's prayer. 1 Samuel eleven six said that he had the power of God through the Holy Spirit upon him when he started his ministry. Now, look at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 8. Let's look at some of the things that show us the downfall of Saul. We're just going to do this very quickly. Certainly we don't have time to go through all of 1 Samuel. But there's plenty of lessons for us to learn. Remember now, he was reigning over the nation of Israel. But there was a godly man on the scene. He was a prophet. His name was Samuel. He's a wonderful man of God that tried to keep Saul in line. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 8. This shows... Saul's, this passage, Saul's impatience and his disobedience and his moving ahead of God. King Saul and his troops were at Gilgal and they were waiting for Samuel the prophet to arrive. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, the prophet had said to Saul, You go down ahead of me to Gilgal and I will surely come down to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. Well, the things look bad. Circumstances are bad. We're on day seven. Samuel hasn't arrived. Saul decided he would do his thing. We see that in verse eight. Now he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. You see, Saul was not very experienced himself in determining God's will. He had pretty much relied upon Samuel to help him do that. That was right. But here, 
he looks at the outward circumstances. The men are kind of leaving. They're getting discouraged. They're in a very difficult space. Saul just kind of forced himself to go ahead and offer the burnt offerings rather than continue to wait for Samuel. Now, nobody knows why Samuel set the seven days. Many people believe it was a test to see if King Saul would wait. Well, Saul disobeyed the command Samuel had given him. His impatience led to disobedience. He got ahead of God's will. He was doing a ministry he had not been called to do. Saul had no authority at all to offer the burnt offering because he was not a Levite. And Saul knew it, but he did it anyway. He took God's will into his own hands. Verse 10, just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw these men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, there's the first danger. You see, he looked at the circumstance. He used man's mind and he came up with a plan. That wasn't a bad plan. Just wasn't God's plan. He said, I thought. Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled. There's the second mistake. I felt. You can't go by your own mind, and you can't go by your own feelings. You must go by the Word of God. Two great things that we fall to. We get afraid. We make a move. We come up with our plan, plan B. When you do that, you're going to end up in trouble just exactly as you see here. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offerings. And Samuel said, you did a wise thing. Is that what he said? No, he said, you did a foolish thing. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. Listen to this. This is incredibly sad. If you had... He would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. How many hours short was King Saul from that promise? You see, sometimes we're that far from doing the will of God. But we get afraid and we step out on our own. And it's disaster. That far. But now, here's the other news, your kingdom will not endure. Why? Because the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and he's appointed him leader of his people. Because you have one reason, you have not kept the Lord's command. See, that was a test. He failed the test. What seemed like valid excuses were not valid. Saul disobeyed God. Saul didn't wait on God in his timing. He took things into his own hands and did what he thought was best. That was the first disastrous mistake. Let's look, turn over to Samuel 15. We'll see the second major failure. 
Here Saul shows partial obedience, which is outright disobedience. And Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over the people of Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go. Here's this very clear word in verse 3. It's just as clear as many of the other commands we see in the word of God. Don't lie. Don't gossip. Don't commit adultery. Watch what your eyes go to. Very clear. It's not fuzzy at all. It's not this fuzzy logic. Look at verse 3. Now go. Well, what should I do? Attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, donkeys. God was giving Saul another chance to prove that he could be a godly king with his time left. Saul is told to destroy one of Israel's oldest enemies, the Amalekites. In the Bible, whenever you see the Amalekites, it's a type of our flesh. It's the old man. It's the one that gets out of the coffin when the Krispy Kremes come by. That's it. Notice, Samuel gives Saul a very clear, distinctive directive. As Israel's king, it's Saul's duty to annihilate the Amalekites. Why? Because the way they treated Israel at the Exodus. Everyone is to be killed, including the king. Nothing is to be spared. You say, well, that's pretty harsh, but that was again a picture of God saying to us. We talked about knowing that the old nature in us has been crucified with Christ. We need to reckon it. We need to agree that it's dead. We need to act and live that it's dead. Not that part of it's alive. You can't kill the flesh in a part of you and leave a part of you awake so it can come out of that coffin and attack you. And that's exactly what this principle is here. Now, it's important that you and I, when you see this, we never give place to the enemy. The enemy's always looking, and he knows exactly, doesn't he? He knows, doesn't he? He knows exactly where to get us. Some of you go, no, he doesn't know where to get me. Where was that word foolish back here? Let me look at this for a moment here. Yes, he does. Has he gotten any of us recently? Well, sure, he he knows exactly where to go. You can't give place to it. You have to keep wrecking it dead. Verse 9. When you see a verse that starts with the word but, you're in trouble. But Saul and the army spared Agag. And the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. Vegetarian doesn't like that verse. Everything that was good. These they were unwilling. You remember, obedience is a matter of the the will. See, people wish they can follow Christ. No, you have to will it and do it. He was unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Verse 10. 
This is a really neat verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. You see, Samuel wasn't there, but God came. We would call it today a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom. And he said to Samuel, guess what? You're going to find something. You're going to find that the commandment you gave has not been fulfilled. See, there isn't a thing ever hidden from God. Never in our life. Now, sometimes, you know, I can stand before you and God doesn't give me a word of wisdom. Everything looks good with you or everything looks good with me. But God knows. And it says here that the word of the Lord came to Samuel. What was that? I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and he cried out to the Lord all that night. You know what I like about that? Here's a guy that has a heart for people. See, he didn't go, okay, man, can I go get him, God? He wept all night. Because he probably saw the tremendous potential in Saul and said, we're going down the same road we just went down. Saul, it's not going to work for you, man. I'm sorry. If you're a true lover of people, when you see people fail, you don't gloat. You weep. If you're a true lover of people, if you're a leader, you cry when the weak ones fall by the wayside. It's not a joy. It's sad. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went out to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor. Uh-oh. And has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. And Samuel reached him. Saul said, The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. Well, he had, but partially. Listen to this quote. Very powerful quote. Dishonest people soon begin to believe the lies they construct around themselves. In other words, they lie so much they begin to believe their own lies. Then they lose the ability to tell the difference between truth and lies. By believing your own lies, you deceive yourself. Eventually, you will alienate yourself from God And along with that, you will lose all credibility in your relationships. In the long run, only honesty pays. You see, if you start with a little thing and the little thing, and then pretty soon you can't tell, did I say that? Did I say that? Pretty soon you don't even know what truth is anymore. And it affects you everywhere in your life. And the disaster is, it will surface. And now it's too late. This is what happened. Verse 14, but Samuel said, what then? If you have carried out everything I law, in other words, what then? What is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of the cattle I hear? In other words, if you obeyed God completely, Saul, what is the sounds of the old McDonald's farm here? Where are they coming from? Nobody has their toys out there. These are from real animals. Do you remember what it was? You were to kill them. How many? Oh. Saul answered, here we go. You might just want to put in there, it's not my fault. <laughs> the soldiers brought them from the Malachites. They, they, not me, they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord, your God. Interesting words. But we totally destroyed the rest. Notice he leaves that little statement that we totally destroyed the rest. 
So King Saul does what normally we do. We can't look at Saul and go, shame on you, because when we're caught, sometimes the first thing I want to do is two things. I want to make an excuse. It wasn't me. You don't understand. Second, I got to find somebody to take the blame. And we do that. Then he tried to justify his sins. This is even worse. So he makes an excuse. Then he tries to blame somebody else. And then he tries to justify his sins by saying, well, God's going to love this sacrifice because these are good animals. Saul's partial obedience, listen, was full disobedience to God. You don't obey partially. We have to obey fully. Stop, said Samuel to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes. In other words, he started right. He was humble. Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission, saying... Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Here's where you can see that Saul's heart is not only deceived, but hardened. But I did obey the Lord. Saul said, I went on a mission the Lord assigned me to. I I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag the king. What is that? That's simply a lie again. The soldiers took the sheep and the cattle for the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to blame, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. He doesn't get it. I mean, he's being challenged by the prophet of God. He's still making excuses. When God points something out to you, and I go, oh, oh, it's my wife, or as a kid, it's a boss at work, as a person over there, was it? No, it's me. There's no way to get healed. If I walk into the doctor's office with this foot that's swollen out that big, and I say, what's wrong with you? Well, nothing's wrong. He's not going to set it. I have to say to him, man, I broke my ankle. I need help. Okay, let's set it. very first thing you want to do is when you examine your heart and the Satan points condemnation to you, you don't want to receive any of that. But if God says, hmm, you want to go, really? Really? You want to ask forgiveness. You want to admit the need. You can't be healed until you admit the need. Saul, there's no hope. It's always excuses. He's lying again. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in the obeying of the voice of the Lord? By the way, this is in the Old Testament, but this stands all the way to the New Testament. This next line, if you don't have it on your Bible, you should, because this is the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Starts in the book of Genesis. And we'll go to end time. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. Full obedience is a key in a believer's life. God is not interested in dead religion. He's not interested in, well, God, I didn't really obey you, but I gave double my tithes this week. It's not exciting. He isn't interested. Well, I did this. I did that for you. He's not interested. What he's interested in is what? Full obedience. Well, what do we obey? Right here's what you obey. The Word of God. Full obedience to it. You don't make excuses to it. You don't say, well, we live in a different age now. That doesn't apply. Yes, it does. Saul's impatience and disobedience was evident in the way he moved ahead of God, going with his own plans instead of God's. In this study of 1 Chronicles chapter 10, we began by looking at Samuel and how Saul began moving in a direction that would be his downfall. 
His clear defiance was not hidden from Samuel or God. When Saul was given direct instruction to carry out a specific plan, he chose to ignore it. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 2261. And today's message was taught from 1 Chronicles chapter 10. Again, the message number for ordering purposes is 2261. And today's text was 1 Chronicles chapter 10. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue our study of 1 Chronicles chapter 10, looking at the end of Saul's life. A man who began his reign as king, as a godly man, but didn't end in that way. His choices will affect not only him, but his children as well. The example we set for our own children will be considered as we look at the way Saul lived in opposition to the Lord. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time. As Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of 1 Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 